one's like, what is happening? <laughs> but thank you, fellas, so much. Um, but yeah, so it's, I hope that through all of this, what we understand that we, we are royalty, that he, he calls us royal, and he actually gives us the ability to live up to that. And uh, this week, we, uh, what we wanted to do was we wanted to invite you guys in. We talk a lot about what goes on behind these closed doors. And I said invite you in because we can only let you in so far. But some of that stuff's just for us. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to make this a, a personal setting of both uh, me and Fred together studying uh, we came together, and we picked a passage, and we started to pray on it, and just both of our points, but more so just a conversation to let you let you in on our little, uh, our little get-togethers and how much we enjoy to talk and bring you guys in, so I don't know what we're going to call this. This could be a one-time thing. This could be, uh, maybe we'll invite you into the living room. Just leave your shoes on, please, um, but yeah, so... We're going to talk today uh, about royal timing. That's what we're going to talk about. And I'm just super excited. So, Fred, if you will join me. Let's give Freddie T a hand. Hey, good morning. Good morning. All right, so we have a couple rules of engagement here. So, um, I, I cannot preach sitting down. Like, I, I like that too much uh, energy. So... I did this at Christmas, and apparently at Christmas, we had sun, a Christmas fell on Sunday morning, and apparently I was carrying on a beat with my feet, and my wife, you know, let me know later, she's like, you were just pounding like this, so uh, two things, please let me know if I start this, and please let me know if I start this, because <laughs> I'm also, I have very bad posture, so I'm like, I'm a slouchard when it comes to sitting, so. He was, uh, he was like, what kind of chairs are we going to use? Yeah, like, what are we? This is the worst. <laughs> Because I'll, be, I'll probably be reading the Bible like this here in a little bit. You know what? We are talking about royalty. I feel like we're missing something. I got something for you, bro. It's royal generosity, all of this stuff. All right. Uh, what? Th this is why this stuff makes me nervous. Like, I am so out of my element right now. Up, 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 Burger King. Oh, yeah, my foot is tapping. Sorry. All right. Uh, all right. So, Seth said we're going to let you in a little bit. You know, we a lot of times we rehash the message before we preach it. So, in the morning, we're, we're, we're praying and we're, we're kind of rehashing, you know, some of our main points. But, you know, there's always jokes, right? So, we always, I, like, I love to laugh. So, too much. Have it your way, bro. <laughs> well, if I, if I had it my way, I don't want to mess my hair up, so we'll leave it right there. My hair is very important to me. <laughs> All right, so uh, today's message is going to be, be called a Royal Timing, in that w within your life, is that my phone or yours? No, that's mine. Okay. So within your life, God, God has an eternal purpose. God has an eternal destiny for each one of you. And within your, within your eternal destiny, God's actually factored seasons into your life. And that your destiny actually unfolds through seasons. Testing. All right, probably because I'm slouching. All right. How about you? All right, can you guys hear me okay? So that God unfolds your destiny through seasons. And, and so we want to start out today just talking a little bit about seasons. Remember last week when I was talking about royal generosity, you know, I gave an example from King Solomon, but really, you know, a lot of what Solomon learned, I mean, obviously he was very wise, but he really learned from the instruction of his, his, his dad, Solomon, and really, you know, David really poured into Solomon's life. So uh, we're going to start today with a passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 which talks about time and seasons and really just use it as a launch pad. But we want to look at a story from the life of David. Mm. 
And, you know, something that uh, Crystal said, she said a few minutes ago, she said, you know, when you have a small crack or a small door open in your life, it actually can, can create an opportunity for a big destruction or a big disaster. And, and we're going to look at a small, just a small window, a uh, small crack that David left in his life and had, had uh, tremendous ramifications in his life. So, um, Yeah, so like he said, we're going to start in Ecclesiastes 3.1. Um, and I, I like the message translation, but how, how many of us know that there's, who has said this? There's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. There's, we've said all these things, and I'm hoping today what we can, you know, bring some clarity to is being able to understand when we're, when that time does come or when a season does change and be able to see that clearly because we say it a lot, but I, I, I don't know if we, we often catch it. Uh, and then we just like to say it because it sounds good uh, in a lot of ways. But, yeah, Ecclesiastes 3.1, the message translation says, there is an opportune time to do things, a right time for everything on earth. And I, I love how that, I just love how that says there's an opportune time to do things. And how many of you know we, we have things to do? Not just in our life, but God's calling us to do things, right? God has a plan and a purpose for our life. Amen? And then, uh, he's, a, he's a new King Jameser. I don't know if you can, is that what you read? Is that your? Go-to. Is that your go-to? That's my go-to. Definitely not the message. Okay. I'll well, leave that for you slouchers. Right? <laughs> Let's just, I just want to read through, let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we'll just read verses uh, 1 through 8, and I think this is a very familiar passage, but we just kind of want to use it to launch from. It says, to everything there is a season, so that, that everything you go through in life is a season. And, and the great thing about seasons are this, seasons always have a conception, but they also have an expiration. Mm. Though that whatever season of life you're going through, it's here's one thing: it's pregnant with change, because there coming a th- there will come a time when that season is over, and, and and seasons don't last like your lifetime. Seasons have a, a a conception; they start, they have an expiration, and when they hit their expiration point, guess what starts? A new season, and so it says that. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. So that within seasons, there are certain things, certain purposes, certain assignments that line up with a particular season. And so that in a given season, we might do one thing, and in another season, there might be a different assignment. It says a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal. A time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, a time to keep silence, that might be for somebody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. And so, as God factors seasons into your life, you know, a lot of times we're going through seasons and, and we don't recognize that, that the season has changed. And if you think about now, like, if I said, anybody follow sports? Other than Seth? Like, what season is it, Seth? Well, technically football. It's technically football season. Yeah, if you didn't hear, it is not the Giants season. I'm a Giants fan. Throw Throw your stones at me, all you Cowboy fans. I see they had to change their team names, how bad they were. No, I'm just kidding. Well, 
you know, in, in seasons, you know, all the, although they, they have a conception and an expiration, right, sometimes there's an overlap of seasons. Mm. So if you think about, like, if I say, what season is it? Well, it's football. Well, it's also baseball, right? And then when football progresses, and eventually it might be some overlap with basketball and basketball and baseball, and there's always this overlap in season. So although there's a definite end, it's not like it, it's a complete break that sometimes there, there's, an, there's an overlap in seasons. But recognizing that change uh, when that change comes is, is so important. It says in verse 11, I, I love this. Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has made everything. So the first thing we look in verse 1, it says, to everything there's a season. Right? There is a season for everything. But verse 11 says, he's made everything beautiful in its season. And I, I think there's probably people here that are going through a season right now that you don't like. Come on. <laughs> Anybody? Now, there are God seasons, and I believe there are devil seasons. And you have to be able to recognize the difference. But uh, whether you like your season or not, or whether you're like, like some seasons are like, yes, I love the season I'm in right now. <laughs> right. And other times, what do we do? Oh, my gosh, this is like awful. <laughs> but regardless, it says that everything is beautiful in its season or in its time. And if you think about it, anybody ever, who likes apples? Like, other than my wife, does anybody like green apples? Bunch of sour puss people. <laughs> like, they're awful. Oh, see, yeah, you got to put peanut butter on, on a green apple to even make it mouthworthy. But how many like red apples? Like golden, red, delicious, like honey crisp, you know, like those apples? There's no time for apples. Before that apple, like you could go to the tree and you could pick what should be or is a red delicious apple, but in the season it's in, it's green. And if I pick a red delicious that's green and, and bite into it, it's probably bitter. But God's word says that everything is beautiful in its season. And a lot of times because we don't like the way something tastes, we initially reject it when God's word says, hey, this is beautiful. And what happens a lot of times when we see people going through a certain season in life, What's the first thing we want to do? Try to pray them out of it, get them out of it. Yeah. Like everything's a devil. <laughs> Come on now. All right. <laughs> All right. So sometimes, and I believe in, in casting out demons. I believe in deliverance. I believe in all of those things. But you can't cast a green apple out of a green apple season. So you can't pray your way out of a green apple season. See, what well, I'm ready to stand up and start praying. Go ahead, bro. I told you. That's why we moved but, the table over. Go ahead. <laughs> but, but what, you know, oh, there's a come out green apple in the name of Jesus. Like you could quote every scripture. You could bind and loose. You could pray and you could meditate and you could, could pray in the spirit. You, you, you're not going to change a green apple. Come on. A green apple has to grow out of its season. See, you have to, you cannot cast out a green apple season. You have to grow out of it. And too often we're trying to deliver somebody from something that they actually need to grow out of. Come on. That, that's so good, and I think it comes down to what you focus on. Like you said, if, if everything's the enemy, everything's the devil, every attack, everything is is bad is negative my focus is is on the negative and it's and it's on the wrong thing because 
if what we just read, if we believe it, that he will make everything beautiful in its time. So I don't, I don't know what season that everybody's in, and yet there is bad season. There's, there's challenging seasons. But if we hold on to that he's going to make it beautiful in its time, then come on, like, we got to start listening to the word. We got to start believing in the word. And then the second part of that is, oh, man, it's so great. Because it says he is, I don't know, oh, yeah, he's there. He has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Guys, listen. He has put eternity in our hearts. He's given us something. He's get, like to me. That's like when we were talking about this. Like that's that's a part of the assignment that he's given us. Like he set that in us. He's given something for us to look forward to, to long for, to you know what I mean, to strive for, to believe in believe in him and trust him for. And uh, see the eternity. Eternity doesn't start when you die. Come on. See, eternal life starts the day you get saved, but even when you're born, you have eternity in you. You will spend eternity somewhere. So what happens when you get into a season, your season is not your eternity. See, we, t we tend to define life by what's going on in the season we're in, but, but the fact that God has put eternity in us, that you have an eternal purpose. See, and when we focus on, on the season... Instead of what God wants is eternal destiny. That you have an eternal destiny that never changes. Seasons change. Assignments change. Purposes change. But the eternal destiny that he's put in you, like you have an eternal calling on your life. That, that God actually, Paul picks up on this. In Romans 8.29. Yeah. So like... Paul, Paul brings this up in Romans 8.29 when he's talking about it. says, those he foreknew, he predestined. It mm. means to order ahead of time. It means to actually destine billions. Like, That's think about this. Like, before Seth ever had that beard on his face, <laughs> like, like, God actually had, had, a, had an eternal purpose for Seth. Like, is, I know it's amazing. A guy that wears a, a purple robe actually has an eternal purpose. I, listen, your, your hair is getting close to that eternal purpose. <laughs> I, I think what happens a lot of times is... You know, we focus, when the season's not good, and I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't things that need cast out of people's lives. There are, right? There's things that need broken off. There's things that need cast out. But sometimes we need to grow out of the season we're in to prepare us for the next season we're about to enter. Because what happens a lot of times, we focus on the miracle and we, at the expense of the fruit. Come on. So good. So what happens, I love, like, I love, like Seth knows, I love miracles. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish I saw more of them. I've seen a measure, but I, I wish I saw more. And I love their instantaneous. And I love that they suspend the natural laws of nature. And, and I love that, that God, like, intersects time and space and does something like that. But see, miracles require faith. Whereas maturity requires time and patience and obedience. And a lot of times we bypass maturity because we're so focused on the miracle. And it's not, it's not one or the other. Mm -mm. It's both and. Yeah, that, that's really good. And then I think, you know, what you're talking about, uh, it, it's fun. We got together and jotted down some of these notes, but we... We get so excited, bouncing things back and forth. Like, it's super cool. But uh, often in those times and what we're doing is we're settling. Ultimately, we're settling, and we end up making 
a career out of an assignment, and we have to make sure that we don't mistake our current assignment for our destiny. So if you think about, like, everybody remember, like, 200 years ago, there were settlers, <laughs> right? Settlers. <laughs> so I remember. But, yeah. It, I, where's Don Ward? Because I think Don was probably around back then. <laughs> He's not here today. <laughs> Nothing like kicking a guy when he's not around, you know. But a lot of settlers used to be pioneers. See, a pioneer is somebody that paves the way. He cuts down the brush. He actually forges new territory. And what happens is a lot of time, like, God wants us to pioneer new seasons. But we get so comfortable in the season we're in that we decide to set up shop there. Come on. And when God wants us to grow into the next season and remain and have a pioneering spirit, we just decide, you know what, I've just chosen the, the, the place I'm going to level off in my life. And I'm going to settle. And, you know, we don't settle. Don't be a settler. There was like, a, like an ad. I, I actually preached a message one time, don't be a settler. Don't be a settler. There was like an uh, advertisement, I think it was by Atlantic Broadband, about the settlers. It's been, been a long time ago. Don't get people started on Atlantic Broadband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, there's a new season of uh, cable in Cumberland. It's called, and it's not any better. It's a green, it's, 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 still, it's, green, it's green apple cable season. <laughs> Yeah, all, all of this is so good because we we all at wherever, if we want to be honest with ourselves, I don't know where you're at, but you know where you're at, and we are all in the scene. We're all in a season. Uh, we all have assignments, and I think uh, I, I think one of the most most important things is to realize where we're at. And be listening to God because if we're not and we miss that, then that's where things just begin to get super hairy. They get, they get, you know, we, I don't think we realize that we start to get off track and we stop listening to him. He stopped guiding us and then we've kind of taken, taken over and then we end up staying longer than in a place that we should, than we should have stayed. I, I, I like to think of it like this. Like I, I said, seasons have conception, and they also have expiration. And if you ever come to my house, my kids, they'll, they'll verify this. Like my, I'll, pull, I'll pull jelly out of the refrigerator, and it has mold on the top of it. Well, it doesn't go all the way down. It's just on the surface, right? You just scrape the mold off, and then you go for the rest of the jelly. And my kids are like, let me, oh my gosh, the jar expired a year ago. Like, I don't, I just don't see like, you doing that. I don't, uh, and I <laughs> listen, but here, here's why it's I struggle so, with that. It's so out of character for me. Here's but. why I struggle with that, though. I've watched a man say no to scraping the burnt bread when you burn the bread. Aw, <laughs> oh, Kristen, you burn it again. <laughs> But you'll scrape mold off the top of the jelly. Oh, my. Phew. I'm, I'm selective. I'm, so, I, I'm selective in my expiration date. But, but here's what happens. This message is for you, bro. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this is for me. <laughs> when, the when, when the season expires and the assignment changes, and you continue to do the assignment from the previous season. It's like eating from a jar that's already expired. Mm. And, you know, we laugh about it. But, you know, you open yourself up to issues. We're, we're, we're going to look at a story today yeah. of, of King David that actually was eating expired jelly. 
he was actually eating out of the prior season. And he was carrying out the assignment that was right in one season, but because the season shifted, the assignment changed. And what happens is, is we're going to find out in this story, when we actually do the assignment of yesterday's season, when the season changes, we actually open ourselves up to temptations we were never meant to encounter. So what happens a lot of times? What are some people, when they get tempted to do stuff, what, what do people say to them? Y'all want to help us out? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, the devil. I, the listen, devil made me do it. I, we give so much credit to the devil. We really do. We give so much credit to the enemy. It's, all, it's, it's always actually everybody's fault other than ours. And, and like you're saying, it's 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 wild because we when I don't think we realize when we're not focused and we miss that what we are subjecting ourselves to, like you said, what we're opening ourselves up to, and then we wonder, we sit there and wonder why. Like, well, we we're either pointing fingers at somebody else, we're blaming the devil, but sometimes, not all the time, sometimes the thing you're going to, you were never meant to encounter. Come on. It's actually self, and we'll call it self-imposed temptation. Good. Like you created an environment because of what you weren't doing when you should have been doing something else. And the fact that I'm doing yesterday's assignment and today's season positions me in the wrong place. You're like, well, I was in the wrong place at the right time. Or wrong place <laughs> at the wrong time. No, you were in the wrong place at the right time. It was the right season, but you were in the wrong place because you were doing yesterday's assignment. That's so good. And that's what David, we're going to find out something that David did. The season changed, but he didn't recognize that the assignment changed with the season, and he actually encountered something that he never never would have and never needed to encounter in that season. Yeah, so if you will, if you got your Bibles, we're going to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Give you a second to get your Bible. If you did not bring your Bible to church, shame on you. No, I'm just <laughs> we got one for you, right? Your phone. Now, why don't you guys download that app that sounds like pages turning? So I can at least, it sounds like something's going on up here. I don't know if there's an app that does that. But. Him getting closer to his eternal destiny. And so. This is known for the story of David and Bathsheba. Everybody knows that story. Everybody likes to reference that story and talk about David's. This is, this is David's big flop as, as a king. Um, and I like, uh, I like the story a lot. I began to start reading as we were, uh, as he was doing his, his message last week. I began to start reading in 2 Samuel, and it's something like jumped off the page at me right off the bat in verse 1. Is everybody there? Everybody ready? Say ready. First one, it says, it happened in the spring of the year. Everybody read this with me. At the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon, and you're going to besiege Rabbi, Rabbi, I, I'm going to butcher these. You got it, Rabbi. <laughs> but David remained at Jerusalem. So, yeah, so as we, we kind of build up to this, I want you guys to start looking at that. This is what we are talking about when we talk about there's a, a season, there's a time, there's an assignment. A king, when it was his time, you know, they didn't fight during the winter. So they would take the winter off, they'd go back home. But then when the seasons changed and it was time for kings to go out to battle, David did what? He stayed home. So, so the season changed. The assignment changed, 
But what didn't change? David. David stayed back. And we're going we're gonna to see when David stays back. Obviously, you guys have read this story, but you're going to, I think you're going to start to see that uh, in this story, what we just explained, how this really uh, amplifies the fact that when we're not doing what we're called to be doing, or when we're, we're absent from what we're called to be doing, what it opens us up to, which obviously is temptation in this sense, and how that once this starts, it's it's all downhill from there. I mean, I, you know what I mean? Once once he opened himself up and missed what he was supposed to be doing and walked into what he, you know what he was supposed to be doing, things started to really go south. Um, but yeah, let's get into this. What do you think? Because you were it was interesting because when we got together and talked about it, he was like, "Yeah, let me." Let me pray about it. Let me let me read a little bit, and then he comes back. He's like, "I just can't get past this when the season changed and it was time to go to to battle." So that's where we began to just start. Uh, that's where we knew where we were going with this. Um, so let's go to yeah. Let's just read. Uh, you go ahead. I have it in King James. You read your. New King James. So it happened in the spring of the year at the time when the kings go to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. You know, one thing I was thinking about there, it says that, that Joab destroyed Ammon mm-hmm. and that sometimes when you're when you have an assignment to go to battle, which David did, but you remain in the wrong place, you cause destruction to the wrong group of people. Is that destruction should have been taking place on the battlefield with the enemy. But since David stayed in the wrong place and it was a season of battle, he wreaked havoc and destruction in his friend's family and his own life. And that sometimes when the assignment changes and we're not in the wrong, lo- we're in the wrong location, yeah. that we can actually create the very thing or actually fulfill the very thing, but at the wrong place. <laughs> right. It says, then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman and someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and lay, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her, her impurity, and she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and so she sent and told David and said, I'm with child. Now, I think you know most of us know the rest of the story, and we're going to touch on a few of those things, but... Some time goes by because, you know, he has, he has intercourse with this woman. She gets home. She conceives. They didn't have, like, the, the test back then. Like, it's not like she peed on a stick a couple days later and said, oh, it's, I got a plus sign. Like, she had to wait, and she started showing, and, you know, things didn't happen the next month like they should have. So some time passes. And, and I always wondered, like, did David think in that next 30 to 60 days, like, eh, I got, I got away with it. Like, it's not like she went home and found out she was pregnant the next day. Like, time passed. And and so then when time passed, then, of course, he tries to, um, oh. yeah, he, he just gets down this path where he, he tries to get her husband. He calls her, and her, his, her husband was, like, one of his mighty men. He was one of, like, his, like, top warriors. And so he brings him back, and he tries to get him to go sleep with his wife to cover it up that way. And then he gets him drunk tries to get him to do it again, and, and uh, he won't do it. Like, this guy's a man of integrity. And obviously, then eventually, he, he sends a letter to, uh, back to Joab and says, hey, put him, like, when they besieged that, if you think of, like, besieging, like, if this, imagine this is, like, the, the wall around a city. And so they, they surround the city, and they stop the water and the commerce and everything from getting in the city, and they, they basically starve them out. And so when he said to put him close to the heat of the battle, he actually got him up close to the wall, 
archers could actually get them, but so he sends them to his own bat death and has them killed. It's yeah, just it's this crazy chain of events. It is crazy. One of my favorite things that was pointed out in this as we were studying that was interesting because like you said he he has him come, basically offers him in, then he brings him back in to obviously try to make it look like he slept with his wife. It was going, you know, tried to clear things up that way, but. What does he do? He, he, no, he, he sleeps right outside of the king's door and says, how could I go home and do this while my men are out on the battlefield with the ark? Now, what, you, what I want you to realize, what was the ark? What did that symbolize? God's presence. So maybe, we were thinking about this, isn't it interesting, and the, he, he says, I can't go do, like, he should have did what David did, David should have did what he did, but here's the thing, so the season changed, and they went out, God's presence was there in the assignment, and David was back where? In the palace. Maybe sometimes the battlefield's safer than the palace, <laughs> wherever God's presence is. But that, that was interesting. It stuck out to me. The presence was there. He said, I can't go do that. And it just really, it really struck me when we were talking about that because David should have been where the presence of God was. That was his assignment. So one of the first things we want to talk about it as, as we go through today is like distance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one thing I've noticed, when people fall into sin, typically the first thing that happens is they begin to disconnect with other people. They begin to distance themselves from people. They, you know, you don't see them around as much. They don't come around as much. They, they just start being on the fringe. And, and if you notice what it said that David did, it said... In the spring of the year, at the time when kings went to war or battle, David sent his generals. It says he sent his generals, he sent his officers, and he sent his men. And guess who was left by himself? David. And what happens is God intends for us to be in community with one another. Like there is like that old like strength in numbers. numbers. Like there there's like a strength that comes about that when we're in covenant and we're together in something and that like yes, I have an assignment God's given me. But I can't do it without you. And you have an assignment. Seth has an assignment. You have an assignment in your season that God's called you to do. But you're not as effective as you could be when you do it with like-minded people. That's why I tell, like, with my wife, you know, I, I tell couples all the time in ministry, you'll never minister at a level, at the same level independently as you will as a, as a unified couple. Because you minister and, and you, you overcome things together and you go through things together that you just cannot do by yourself. Absolutely, and I think most of us can relate to this and understand when we think about times where we've all, I believe, I'm not speaking for you, I'll speak for myself, but in my times I realized of isolation, um, you know, what it does to you, and then it, you, you begin to protect that at all costs, you don't let people in, you don't, you won't, you know, we just push people away because it's more comfortable, you know, we get, we get to be where that's more of a comfortable, like, comfortability for us, but vulnerability comes from the lack of accountability, and I, I promise, guys, if, if we, if we would begin to realize, you know, what God's called us to do, and then, and as we read throughout our scripture and, and the word that, it's about others as well, like, it's, it's often, that we need others. We're here to, to rely on each other, bear one another's burdens. We're, and when we are not, when we're not building that, or we're not focused on that, 
then we're subject, even King David, I mean, King David is, we, we talked him up the past two weeks, and this is his flop, but the reality of it is someone even to, like, look what God has done in his life and look at all these things that he knew, but it's still when, when we isolate and we allow this temptation and we're not moving where God's calling us to and we're open to these things that we, we can't do it alone. Yeah, and, and Seth had brought it up about, so at the time when Israel would go to battle, a lot of times, not every time, but they would take the ark, God's presence, with them into battle. And, and so what happens is when God calls you into your next assignment to a particular place, guess what has already gone ahead of you? His, like his presence is meant to lead you to the place that he's called you to go. And, and in the New Testament, of course, we know that when you receive Jesus and he comes to live in you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. But you can certainly reject what he's telling you to do. And what happens is, as people begin to distance themselves from each other, other believers, they also slowly begin to distance themselves from the Lord. And in one sense, he's as close as he's ever been, but in another sense, he probably seems like he's a million miles away because you've just, you've just tuned him out. And, and if you think about it, like when you said vulnerability, I'm, I'm thinking like when a wolf attacks a sheep, what sheep does it attack? The one that's away from the flock and away from the shepherd. He doesn't really go for the one at the shepherd's feet. He doesn't go for the one in the middle of the flock. He goes to the one that's straight off, off on the, you know, off on the fringe. He becomes vulnerable, and that's the time that the enemy comes in. Yeah, and, I, and here's here's what I, I think we need to put some focus on too, is that how many of us know it only takes one time? Like I, I want you to think about that. It takes one time for us to have our guard down, for us to have, you know, sometimes that, that's a lot of times. And people will be like, well, it was only this one time. That's enough, guys. That's enough for us to, to lose focus. That's enough for us to open ourselves up to temptation. And then once, as we see in the story, once the digression starts, it's just, and we, we listen, I, we've been there. Once something happens, then we got to cover that thing up, and then we try to do this, and then it's just constant, like, you know, we're going to get to us having a choice, but 1 Kings 15.5 says, Because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. So one time. It was the only time that, that David let himself uh, you know, stuck in the stuck in that assignment change, season change, and for whatever reason, and I don't want to go back to the beginning. But we were talking about like he woke up from a nap and he went out on his roof. It was like, you know, it was just like wait. And I, and I guess he, I'm I'm just thinking, why he go to the roof? Fred's like in that time that was probably pretty common. They probably went up there. One translation did say something I thought it was neat. It said. He had advan like he had a height advantage, like an advantage point from where he was standing. And my my wife's not feeling good today, so she's not here. But when we were talking about it, she was like, "Now you know that's not the first time David went on that roof and saw a lady bathing." Like he probably saw other women. Like it, it probably wasn't a big. My big question is why was he getting up in the middle of the day? Like, I don't think he was working night shift, like Ray. Like, he, he, he wasn't recovering from, hopefully not from a, a really fun night the night before. Like, he's getting up when other people are actually already coming home from work. And I think what happens a lot of times is something Seth had, had said to me earlier, is sometimes success in life leads to your most vulnerable time. Mm. And I think David, who had experienced success after success after success, he just decides, you know what, I know the season changed, but eh, I'm going to kick one back. 
I'm going to lay back. I'm going to sleep today. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do what I need to do. I'm just going to, you know, I'm taking a season off. And, and what happens, like, when we see this digression start, you know, it, it starts with, you know, it's not, it's not, it's never the first look. And I want to talk to you men for a minute. How many, uh -oh. oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm only window shopping. I've heard it. Oh, it's just window shopping. No, you're playing with fire. See, it's not, it's not the first look because we all see things in life that we really should never have to see. We all run into situations. It's just life. We see things we don't need to see. We, we run into the filth we shouldn't be a part of. It just happens. But what do you do with the second look? And what do you do with the third look? And are you looking away or are you looking back? And, and that, that's where the shift takes place. It's not that you ran into something. It's not that you encountered something. It's, did I linger? Did I continue to look? And it says he sees a woman bathing. Next thing you know, like how did he know she was beautiful to look at? Because he was staring at her. Like he was continuing to look. And, and then here's the best part. Then he inquired about her. And we, we talk about this a lot, but I don't, I don't know if we realize how many, how often we entertain things that then end up leading to other things. And we, we say things as if, like, you know, you, I, well, I say this a lot, but, you know, you, you entertain the clown, you become part of the circus. Uh, yeah, like, and, and most of the time, we, we take it past that point for multiple reasons because this is part of the digression that once, once something has already happened, then it just makes it easier for everything else to continue to happen, right? He already missed that. He's back. Like he said he's taking a nap. He's spouting. He comes out. He sees a woman bathing. She's beautiful. It stayed. Now it's just like, oh, well, let me just... Let's hey, just see who she is. Hey, any hey, he's trying <laughs> to find out. He's looking into the situation, and then like it says, then this was this was like 1,000 BC instant messenger. It says he sent messengers after her, right? But we do the same thing today. I have seen men cast and women they cast this big net on instant messenger. Like fishing, trying to, like, I want to see who will bite on this. And, but he sent actual messages. It says he inquired about her. He sends messengers about her. Hey, go, go, go. Like, what do we do? Ooh. A little glance, a little nudge, a little text, a little eye message, a little DM. Like, whatever it is, it starts with that little, like, one step and then another step. It's like that, that song, uh, by, I think it's Casting Crowns, it's called Slow Fade. Mm. It said nobody crumbles in a day. It's like one digression after another, after another, after another. And, and, and I tell people this, and it, it, it sounds arrogant, but I want you to hear my heart. I will not have an affair on my wife today. It's literally impossible. But it doesn't mean I'm beyond having an affair on my wife. It just takes one bad decision, one bad decision, one bad decision, one bad decision, and another bad decision. And eventually, I could end up in a place that I'd never want to be. A, an encounter, a temptation that I was never meant to encounter. But it won't happen today, because today I'm surrounded with people that I should be around and I'm in the presence of the Holy Spirit today. Come on. But the minute that I depart from the people that I need to keep me accountable, the minute I quit staying in the Word, the minute I quit spending time in prayer, the minute I quit spending time in the presence of the Holy Spirit, then it's one bad decision after another. And it ends up somewhere God never intended me to be. So will it happen? Like, it won't happen today unless somebody ties me down. 
<laughs> well, Chris, Chris can listen. <laughs> but it can't happen. It can't, like, but it could. It can't happen today, but it could happen. It could. We all, we all have a choice. <laughs> But now, <laughs> here, bro, put on your habit your way. <laughs> so, like he's saying, it, it continues and it starts, guys. It starts with, uh, it's, it starts with the decision. It starts with the choice. And we, you know. We're consciously making these choices, whether we like to admit it or believe it or not. Um, but again, he chose to stay home. He chose to inquire about her. Chose to have sex with her. Uh, you know, he he chose to have her her husband married. Like it just it continues to go. Uh, uh, what did I say? Oh, sorry, I'm tied down. I'm I'm trying to focus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, right? So, I, I told y'all, y'all were going to come in to, like, we like to have fun. <laughs> but, but again, as, as it does come down to that choice, David also, you know, as we're going down this path, we, we also want to point out that David ends up making a choice to repent, and, and, and to do these things uh, because just as much as we had a choice to open ourselves up to that, we have, we have that same equal choice to do the right thing and turn from that. And it is challenging once you start down this path and you've got into the middle of this, but the, here, here's where I believe the big difference is going to be is where your heart's really postured at because we make choices that lead to consequences and, and put us in cer certain situations and circumstances. But uh, I believe it's our focus on, on God which determines whether we stay there or we move out of it. And it's like, that's so basic. But what I want to challenge the thought of is will we continue to make these choices and when we continue to stay in the, the assignment, in the season, when God's clearly calling us out of it. Because I, I, here's what I do believe. We didn't really talk about this, but I, I believe that we know. I truly do believe that we know. And I think a lot of times what we do to stay comfortable, to not challenge ourselves to step out or to do the thing God's calling us to do, we will, we, we'll, we'll just... We'll throw up those excuses like we talked about earlier of like, well, is this, is this you, God? Is, this, is, that, is that really? God, if it's you, let me know. And, and here, I'm not, I'm not bashing nobody. I'm just saying, really, like, if you're really seeking him and we are understanding that he, there's a time and a season for everything, he's placed it in our hearts and we're chasing after him, it, I believe we're going to know and we do know that when it's time to step or move in this, that it's either we're going to trust and move in it or, or we just simply don't. And then that's when we leave ourselves open to, to everything else and, and what's the digression of what's happening to David here. Yeah, just, it, the one thing that, like, God will never take away your freedom to choose. Like, he protects that at all costs. You can choose to sin. You can choose to follow God. And, and, and that's the great thing that even though David opened a door for something that he should, never should have encountered, he distanced himself from people, he makes one bad decision after another that leads him into this major digression. A lot of times we just focus on the story of David and Bathsheba, but really the redemption in this story comes in chapter 12. Mm. And that when David is confronted with his sin, he says, when, 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 when Nathan the prophet goes to him and tells him this parable, like, you're the guy. David said, I have sinned. And if you think about what Saul did, 
when Samuel confronts Saul, you know, Saul's waiting seven days and waiting to make uh, sacrifices. And, 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 and finally, you know, Saul gets tired of waiting for Samuel. And Saul goes ahead and sacrifices and does something that he wasn't, it wasn't his assignment. It wasn't his season. He actually did what was Samuel was supposed to do. And all of a sudden, Samuel shows up within the same hour and says, what have you done? Oh, I saw the enemy. The people were getting restless. You didn't come. And then I felt compelled to make an offering. Excuse after excuse after excuse. And I think that's a big difference between Saul and David. Mm. Saul made excuses. David took ownership. Like he actually made a decision to get it right. And when Nathan confronts him, he said, I've sinned. He didn't say, well, that woman, that woman that the devil put on the roof of that (laughs) 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 if if Uriah would have just taught his wife not to go on the roof, you know, he could have made up all this stuff. What if he just would have slept through his alarm, slept another 20 minutes? He probably would have been washed up and done by then. (laughs) David could have made a lot of excuses. He could have pointed a lot of fingers. But he took ownership. He literally, he decided to repent. And he said, I'm, I, I was wrong. I sinned. And the great thing is, is the assignment in his season was still waiting for him. Like, it, it was it. still waiting for him. Like, he actually changed direction. And when, when the... The Ammonites, so what it was is, if you read back in chapter 10, we really didn't talk a lot about the, the, the backstory, but the Syrians had helped the people of Ammon in, in, the, in chapter 10, mm-hmm. and Israel defeated, they defeated the Syrians, but they didn't finish the job, and that's why in the spring they went back to war. And, and then all these things take place with David and Bathsheba and the child dying, and then Solomon's born. But the people of Ammon still have not yet been defeated. And, and it just shows you that how that our sin and walking out of the assignment God's called us to actually delays the thing that God has prepared for us. That that David, like, we don't know, but it wouldn't have had it wouldn't have taken two years for this to happen. It took two years because he took a detour. But had he walked into the season when kings go to battle, it probably would have happened a lot quicker. Do we want to read that passage? Yes. Or do you want me to read it because it's King James? Yeah, go ahead, King James there. Where are we at? Is it 2 Samuel 12? Yeah, that's it. Seasons change, assignments change, but destiny never does. David was called to be a king. Like, he had a royal destiny. And here's, like, you know, you've not messed up as much as David messed up. (laughs) I know a lot of times we think, well, I've, I've thrown away my life. I've thrown away the calling on my life. I've thrown away what my assignment, uh, I've messed my season up. It's there. It says the calling, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That God's gifted you. God's equipped you. God's called you. And even if you've messed up, I bet I bet you never tried to, like, cover up a sin like David tried to cover this sin. You probably never murdered somebody to cover a sin. And there's... There's, there's a lesson here, is that you, if David didn't mess up, you didn't mess up too bad. It's not too bad. It's never too late to make that decision to turn around. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, just to go off of what you're saying, you know, it's, it doesn't matter how many bad decisions you've made. Uh, I don't know, maybe things are digressing in your life because of a bad decision that you made. Uh, I just want everyone to know that just like the one decision that we're talking about, you have one deci- you're one decision away 
from forgiveness, from grace, from the love for for everything that He has to offer. Uh, and you know, we we I think we have to. We were talking about this morning uh, and something. I think Whitney was talking about in the story where finding that finding just that drive inside yourself. Uh, that there's times where you know we don't have access to uh, a worship song. We don't have access to you know the uh whatever it is that you your ultimate go to is is to get you pumped back up and and feeling good and encouraged and sometimes we don't have those things and that's why I think we have to really get encouraged with the word and and start to understand and have this stuff just just there to help encourage ourselves and you know in 1 Corinthians 10:13 it talks about no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And I think uh, we share those things a lot. We talk about this. We share these things often and talk about them, but I, I don't know if it's a disconnection in what we really believe or our trust in in him because if we realize that it just takes us like latching back on to him and how good he is it'll it'll give us back our direction of where we are to go and the assignment that he has for us and it'll put us right back on track like that it, it might have digressed that and and went off but I'm telling you there's there's one simple choice that will put you right back on. Listen, they're up here laughing. Distraction. <laughs> She's they're they're snickering. Is my hair did did something happen with my hair? <laughs> but and then second Corinthians six eighteen says, flee. Everyone say flee. flee. What's flee mean? Go away. Go away. Uh, but, butts and elbows. There yeah. From sexual immorality, every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Um, but just like David, like we're talking about, he had a choice to repent. Uh, we have that same choice. We have that same choice, and in that, uh, it's going to change the direction, like I was just saying. Um, I, I, I like that verse in First Corinthians says that, that you know, God doesn't make the temptation. God doesn't tempt you. James tells us this, says, uh, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. So God, but what God does make, it says in 1 Corinthians, it says God makes a way of escape. Like he makes a way. It might be a word, it might be an action, it might, it, it, you know, there is a way out of your situation. And when it looks impossible, God always makes a way of escape. Like, sometimes it's like Joseph. Joseph is with Potiphar's wife. He's, like, doing his thing. He's a man of integrity. And Potiphar's wife's trying to seduce him. And it says that he got up and fled out the door. Like, that's a literal fleeing. But sometimes it's like shutting something down. Sometimes it's saying a word. Sometimes it's saying yes. Sometimes it's saying no. But there's always a way. I like what Seth said a minute ago. You're just, you're like one decision from forgiveness. You're one decision from grace. You're one decision from being empowered to step back into the thing that you put on the, on, on the back burner. Like, it's there. It's there. That's good. And when David did that, he returned to the battlefield. He returned to his assignment. And so one, one. Let's close with this. Ready? Yeah. So all that to say in second, second Samuel chapter 12, verse 26, it says, Now Joab fought against Rabbah, the people of Ammon, and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I fought against Rabbah and have taken the city's water supply. Now gather, therefore, the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah, fought against it, and took it. Like he did what he was supposed to do, and he did it with people.
says, he gathered them all together. He went, he fought, and he took it. And then he took the king's crown from his head. It was a talent of gold with precious stones. It was set on David's head. And he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance. <laughs> and he brought out the people who were in it. And he put them to work with Saul's iron. And they get to work. Pixes and axes. And he made them cross over with, to the brickworks. So all they did to the cities the people in. And David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. See, it wasn't that being in Jerusalem was wrong. It was being in Jerusalem was wrong at the time of battle. And when the time of battle was over, then they correctly returned to Jerusalem. And so that God, as we started out earlier, God has an eternal destiny for you. He's woven eternity in you. He has a purpose for you that's beyond what your seasons are. And those seasons actually unfold what your destiny is and actually matures you and grows you and, 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 and produces in you the things that God needs to get in you to take you where he wants you to go. Don't despise the green apple seed. You know, if you think about a caterpillar and the cocoon and the butterfly, and we all know that thing about transformation, but the cocoon in its season is beautiful. It's dark. It's ugly on the inside. It's a bunch of, like, you. But if I help the cocoon too soon, he never develops the wings to fly into his next season. Amen. And so sometimes we can help people out of a season that God needs them to go through. Amen. Because he's preparing them to fly. And he's preparing them to soar. And, and, and we do need deliverance, but we also need maturity. And we need to grow into what God's called us to do. And that's be true. patient. That is, that's super good. So do you want to come up? Uh, like you said, uh, well, this would be a way to close it. But, uh, yeah, uh, so David's profession of faith led to his progression of faith. And I'm not going to be able to sit down. Um, so with, with what we're talking about, guys, if you guys would go ahead and stand with me. So we're, we're all in seasons, right? We all have assignments. And, and I don't know, if you're in here and, and this has touched your heart or you feel like, hey, I'm stuck in a season or I'm stuck in an assignment and I'm just, I'm, I'm just not sure. Maybe I missed an assignment. Maybe I'm asking all these questions and you don't have